This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Quarantine dragging on the week's... Looking the same, except this weekend was a, a bit of a return to normalcy, Sam. I'm a Bundesliga boy now. Got a chance to watch yeah. some soccer. That's right. The doldrums were broken. I didn't get to watch any of the games, though, because my laptop is falling to pieces. <laughs> What's new? What's new? What's new? Uh, I used to be able to stream games, and now I can't. Mm. And uh, now I'm going to have to buy a laptop during the pandemic. I'm, su- I'm surprised that your streaming capabilities somehow outlasted your keyboard capabilities. Uh, I noticed your keyboard wasn't working pre-quarantine. Uh, you had to bring up the on-screen keyboard to make it work. Um but apparently your soccer streaming capabilities extended for uh, several months beyond that. So you would see me in action with the on-screen keyboard when I was at your house. When I am at home, I have a portable keyboard, which was actually sent to us, uh, sent to me by one of our listeners. Was it Keister who sent it? Might have been. Might have been Keister. I, I feel like an asshole. Keister's been good to now. us. So have a lot of our listeners. I Now I'm just sounding like an ungrateful piece of shit who doesn't remember when his very nice listener sends him a keyboard. <laughs> but nevertheless, I don't need to use the on-screen keyboard all the time because I have an external keyboard <laughs> and, an, well. and an external mouse. And everything was working fine, working, humming along like a a finely tuned machine, or at least a tuned machine. (laughs) Now I got to buy a new one. Well, I hope that goes well for you. Uh, How are you going to proceed doing it? You're just going to order one online? You can't really go to a store. So it actually it got off to a rough start. I. I tried to order it. I was going to, I want it, basically I want it uh, sooner rather than later. I don't want to shop around for the best one and then wait for it to get shipped and then maybe or maybe or not there are shipping problems because of the pandemic. So I wanted to go and just pick one up at uh, Best Buy, which whatever. Um, I could get it the same day. That's That's the point. Yeah. And when I when I tried to process the order, my credit union froze my account. <laughs> For some reason, a laptop purchase was logged as suspicious and my account was shut down on a day when their their customer service reps uh, were not working. Jesus. So I guess I'll try again today. Uh, every day there's a new adventure. Well, just uh, in, the grand, in the grand scheme of things, this really isn't much hardship at all slash any hardship. Although, let's be honest, it sucks having to be on the phone and uh, 
and having to deal with your bank or credit union for something that's their fault. Yeah, but well, uh, I'm still here. I'm still gambling, still swinging a miss on the Bundesliga, but it's another <laughs> week. Yeah, well, uh, good luck next time you uh, go and buy the computer. Make sure to ask permission from your bank first. <laughs> Can I please, right? please I buy have, this computer? Do I have to ask them permission for everything? Uh, permission to start the podcast, uh, Credit Union. Let's do it. It's Monday, May 18th, 2020. Here's the news. Banks and oil companies are fighting and the Trump administration may get involved on behalf of the oil companies. Although oil markets have recovered somewhat since historic losses last month, the industry and its allies in Washington are accusing the banking industry now of cutting off access to credit. What's really happening is that banks, dating back to last year, have grown more and more resistant to lending for drilling projects in the Arctic, given how inherently risky those projects are, given how they can be prohibited by a new president. I mean, uh, drilling in the Arctic was banned for decades up until the Trump tax cut law in 2017 uh, did away with that prohibition. Also, activists have gotten pretty good at embarrassing financial institutions that are still tied to controversial things like oil drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. But in an absolutely stunning interview published on Monday with Axios, U.S. Secretary of Energy Dan Bruette, do you know this guy's last name? Bruette? Bruette? I mean... <laughs> it makes sense in French. I don't know how his anglicized version goes. How would you say it? Uh, I'd probably say brulette. All right, I'm going to say brulette. The U.S. Secretary of Energy, Dan Brulette. I used to pride myself in knowing who all the secretaries were at any given moment, but under, under the Trump administration, I've pretty much lost track. There's a new person like every few months, and most of them are acting secretaries. But Dan he, Brulette... He's certainly not as memorable as Rick Perry. No, that's, tr that's true. Brulette, in this interview, compared the bank's hesitancy to loan to oil companies to redlining. Yes, he said it was, quote, redlining, the explicitly racist practice by banks and financial institutions to deny loans and benefits to minorities... That's persisted through much of American history. It's now illegal. Brulette said, quote, I do not think banks should be redlining our oil and gas investment across the country, end quote. Environmentalists are the real racists. <laughs> Secretary's comments come a week after dozens of Republican lawmakers wrote to the White House calling on it to use any administrative and regulatory tool to, quote, prevent America's financial institutions from discriminating against America's energy sector. Amazing. Amazing how quick these dipshits drop their obsession with the free market and want the government to jump into forced loans when it comes to oil companies. <laughs> These guys were all about redlining for decades until it's applied to oil companies. The energy secretary is which also... Is, which it's not. It's yeah. not. This isn't redlining, but... <laughs> the energy secretary is also leaning on the Federal Reserve to expand loan guidelines meant for small businesses. 
to include oil and gas companies that normally wouldn't qualify because they have so much debt. The debt issue is something not mentioned in Brulette's latest comments comparing all of this to redlining. The banks are preparing for oil companies to collapse right now. As we've previously reported on the show, the oil and gas industry owes upward of $200 billion in loans that could go bust as the Great Depression sets in. And to defend themselves, banks are already planning to set up their own oil companies to take over in case that happens in order to ensure their own debts are repaid. So that's the situation right now. I know this is a podcast, but just pretend I'm ending the story with the visual meme from the Godzilla movie with the guy saying, let them fight. Of course, the energy secretary himself has authorized the um, lease of millions, dozens of millions of, of barrels worth of storage space to oil companies through the Strategic Petroleum Reserve because they cannot fucking sell the oil because oil is crashing. This is not anything close to redlining. It seems that um, some days President Trump has instructed all his cabinet secretaries to go out there uh, and say the dumbest and most inflammatory shit they can think of. Um, and then he gives them he gives them a uh, McDouble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shadow producer of the show, Matt, uh, suggesting a, a few weeks ago that the government providing all this storage for oil in uh, the complete lack of demand for oil might have something to do with all these flyovers you see in cities across the country over the last several weeks. It's uh, serving a dual purpose. Of course, we saw what happens uh, in Canada. Fucking crashed into a house when they were doing it. Maybe they shouldn't do this shit. I think it's actually, it's it's a stirring tribute to our first responders by trying to recreate 9-11. <laughs> Sorry for laughing at my own jokes. It's just, sometimes you get out there, try to razzle-dazzle the folks, and you end up 9-11-ing yourself happens there were more developments in the fbi's long-standing battle with secure communications the bureau said it unlocked an iphone belonging to mohammed saeed al shamrani an ex-saudi air force pilot trainee who killed three people in a shooting last december al shamrani was killed by police while carrying out his attack at the naval air station in pensacola florida Today, top federal law enforcement officials said they unlocked Al-Shamrani's phone after four months of trying, but they didn't have much by way of a big announcement. They confirmed Al-Shamrani was linked to Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula long after the group claimed credit for the attack. Still, FBI Director Christopher Wray reamed out Apple, which we're not at all opposed to per se. It's just the feds want to effectively undermine everyone's personal privacy as collateral damage. You can't undermine encrypted communications for quote-unquote good guys only. It's discourse we've already had as a nation almost four years ago after the San Bernardino shooting. Once an exploit is out for law enforcement, it will eventually be disseminated much more widely than intended. Anyway, here was the top FBI man at today's press briefing. We received effectively no help from Apple. 
We canvassed every partner out there and every company that might have had a solution to access these phones. None did, despite what some claimed in the media. So we did it ourselves. Unfortunately, the technique that we developed is not a fix for our broader Apple problem. It's a pretty limited application. But it has made a huge difference in this investigation. Again, the huge difference didn't seem to amount to much, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe these dipshits will finally stop the next 9-11, at least the next 9-11 not caused by a Air Force flyover or whatever. Either way, Director Ray said the investigation was still open. Attorney General William Barr also spoke at the press conference. He spoke about the limited application issue that Ray brought up. Barr said there are, quote, many phones on the state and federal level that law enforcement can't crack despite obtaining court orders. Barr called for a legislative solution, giving Democrats another opening to do something terrible. In other news, during the Q&A part of the press conference, Barr also sought to address what President Trump is calling Obamagate. Trump is accusing President Obama and Vice President Biden of committing unspecified crimes related to the Russiagate investigation. At least I think they're unspecified. Has he has he specified anything really yet, Sam Sachs? Not really. I think he's waiting to take the lead from uh, whatever conservative media can dig up. Well, anyway, Barr noted there is an ongoing review of the Russiagate investigation by U.S. Attorney John Durham. Barr said he didn't want it to be used to, quote, drum up criminal charges and that he wanted the election this November to be free of interference. But don't rule out some kind of October surprise just yet. Here was the attorney general earlier today. Now, as to President Obama and Vice President Biden, whatever their level of involvement, based on the information I have today, I don't expect Mr. Durham's work will lead to a criminal investigation of either man. Our concern over potential criminality is focused on others. So according to Barr, Obama and Biden probably won't be criminally charged personally, but note there were a lot of possibilities left out there. This doesn't mean the DOJ won't try some kind of rat fucking in October. Either way, Biden should not be the Democrats nominee for reasons totally unrelated to whatever Obamagate is. Namely, the ex-vice president is probably a rapist and his brain is tapioca. Finally today, new reports suggest that President Trump's latest attack on an inspector general was meant to cover up an illegal weapons transfer to Saudi Arabia. NBC News citing two sources who say that State Department watchdog Steve Linick, who was shit-canned by Trump on Friday, was probing the administration's emergency declaration last year that allowed it to circumvent Congress and sell weapons to Saudi Arabia. Last summer, following the murder of Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi by the Saudi government, momentum was building on Capitol Hill to block future weapons sales to Riyadh. Under the Arms Control Act, Congress has 30 days to approve of foreign arms sales. Recognizing that Congress might exercise this option, last May, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo declared a state of emergency, allowing the administration to bypass the congressional review period and immediately ship billions of dollars of weapons to Saudi Arabia. Pompeo cited Iran's, quote, 
malign influence in the region as justification for the emergency declaration. But at the time, lawmakers like Senator Chris Murphy warned it was a drastic move. Quote, this sets an incredibly dangerous precedent that future presidents can use to sell weapons without a check from Congress. End quote. Congress later passed three resolutions specifically aimed at blocking Saudi arms sales. All three were vetoed and the Senate was unable to muster up the 67 votes necessary to override that veto. Over the last decade, the U.S. has shipped over $8 billion in weapons to Saudi Arabia, over half of that produced by just four U.S. war profiteers, Boeing, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, and General Dynamic. Those weapons have in turn been used to perpetuate mass human suffering, a genuine humanitarian crisis in Yemen as a result of Saudi Arabia's bombing campaign. News that State Department Inspector General Linick was investigating the legitimacy of that emergency declaration represents a major escalation in the administration's bid to avoid oversight. Prior reports suggested that Linick was merely probing Pompeo for forcing department staffers to do personal favors, like walk his dog, pick up his dry cleaning, and make restaurant reservations, all of which are still bad. <laughs> Linick's dismissal has also sparked quite a lot of backlash on Capitol Hill, with even Republicans decrying the move. House Democrats have promised an investigation into the matter. I guess the good thing is that if you are working at a federal agency and your boss um, tries to make you do personal chores for them, you get that uh, service industry opportunity of being able to spit in their food Put your balls in their food. Kidnap their dog. Kidnap their dog. <laughs> Give their dog weed. <laughs> uh, that music means the newscast is over. Time for the poetry portion of the show where we read haiku for all our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. This first one goes out to Garrett. Heard the ice cream truck, ran outside, bought a cone to shove in my face mask. Thank you, Garrett. I, I've actually heard the ice cream truck a few times. Is this, is this based on a true story here? It's half true. I have heard the ice cream truck. I have not gotten ice cream from it, though. I've thought about it. But I, I have also thought about it. time well just be sure to remove your mask before jamming that cone into your dome <laughs> this is for Ava two hefty doses seasoning and marinade grill pill pharmacy <laughs> thank you Ava this kid's grill becoming a increasingly relevant part of haiku portion of our show <laughs> I'm just I'm drawing on the only thing I've got going going on for me activity-wise here. Same, same. It's pretty bleak times. This one's for Winston. Football's back. No fans. Can hear all talk on the pitch. Dang, it's in German. Thank you, Winston. Finally, this is for Christopher. TFW, you cannot hang out with friends for 24 months. 
Thank you, Christopher. And thanks to all the new subscribers. Again, that's patreon.com slash district sentinel. That's it for the show today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new newscast. We're here in DC, so you don't have to be.